What's up? This is Robin Thurston at the Outerverse podcast, uh, where we have discussions with artists and entrepreneurs who are leveraging the blockchain to get more people exercising, exploring, and pursuing a healthy lifestyle. I'm Robin Thurston. I'm the CEO of Outside Interactive. I'm a dad, a lifelong cyclist, a skier, and I'm a big, big believer that Web3 technology will transform the way people are inspired and we enable them to get into the outdoors. Um, and I'm joined today by my co-host, uh, Dehani Jones. What's going on? I'm so glad to be here. Robin, this is awesome. And, you know, as a former NFL player, action sports enthusiast, I'm also an investor and an outside board member. Uh, Dehani, so good to see you as always. Uh, today's podcast, we're joined uh, by Britt Morin. Uh, for those who don't know Britt, she's the founder of Offline Ventures, uh, BFF, and Brit & Co. And she's got a whole laundry list of other things. And, and, and Britt, to be honest, we didn't necessarily want to list everything out because it would have taken the entire podcast. So we wanted Fair. to make sure we gave you an opportunity to list it yourself. Uh, a, little, a little humble brag is cool. Do I have to? Yeah, we, uh, we want to know. Come on, come on. Oh, boy. What do, oh, what do I list out? Yeah, I mean, like you said, I'm a serial entrepreneur and venture capitalist. I, I like to start and I like to build. Um, and I have been entrepreneuring ever since 2011 after I had some stints at Apple and Google in the early days of the internet, what we, we formerly called Web 2. And I know we're here to talk about <laughs> Web 3. Um, and uh, I'm also on the board of a company called Life360, which is a, a an app used for families to keep your family safe. And um, yeah, I started a fund a couple years ago called Offline Ventures with three other partners. We've been investing now for a couple years, over 60 companies. And one of those companies that we incubated and, and invested in is, is called BFF. And it's a new Web3 platform that helps women and non-binary people learn more about crypto and Web3 and everything else coming with the future of the internet. There is so much more she didn't say. Come on. <laughs> you could just go on and on, Britt. I, well, one is, I'm so excited you're here. Um, you know, Britt, that we love the out, outdoors and outdoor adventure here at Outside. And, and you and I have known each other for a while and have shared many outdoor adventures. Um, you know, I'm curious, you know, what it's meant sort of in your life, like the outdoors in general, and what's, you know, maybe the most memorable, memorable adventure that you've ever had. Oh, wow. Well, I am a girl from Texas, so I definitely grew up in the outdoors. I also definitely grew up playing sports. <laughs> if you didn't play sports, are you actually from Texas? Um, and so I, I'm from San Antonio, so definitely a Spurs fan. However, <laughs> the Cowboys were my football team of ooh, choice. But, ooh, don't go down that sorry, route. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay, right. we'll, we'll skip football. Come on we'll now. Football. Come on now. You know, my background, <laughs> NFC. Do you know how many times the Broncos have beat the Dallas Cowboys? <laughs> But, you know, this was like in the 90s. I don't know. Um, so, I, no, but I was a soccer player myself. If I had to pick my main sport, it was soccer. And I I remember actually being nine years old and Mia Hamm came to do a pickup game in San Antonio and I got to be the ball girl. So that was really exciting. Um, since then, though, I moved to California after graduating at UT Austin and I've been exposed to, th to this thing called snow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what snow was when I lived in Texas. Um, <laughs> I married a guy from Montana 
whose whole family has somehow been involved in the Olympics of skiing, literally the Olympics, they have medals. And I quickly learned what snow was. I learned how to ski. I learned how to climb mountains. I learned how to run trails. I learned what surfing was. I, I discovered oceans. Um, I thought the Gulf of Mexico was an ocean until I was 20 years old. Um, <laughs> and so my my ad adult life in the outdoors has been much different than my, my childhood life. But regardless, I've been outside my whole life and I, I live for being in the sun, not just competing, but just enjoying movement with sunshine on me somewhere in the world. Is, my is, favorite. It, oh, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, isn't that the best thing? The sunshine and being being outside and just being able to kind of receive all of that. Yeah. Or or in the forest, you know, in Japan, they call it forest bathing. It's a it's a it's actually a prescription for meditation. Uh, the doctors will prescribe forest bathing if you are having a psychological illness and you just go I think we're going to see more of that. In the forest. I think we're going to see a lot more of that. Totally. So I live in, literally in Muir Woods National Park in California, and I am on a trail. Uh, my house is, is 50 feet away from the trailhead, and I go into the forest and forest bathe often. Um, but yeah, so I, I love being outside, whether it's in the sun or in the shade. My favorite adventure, which you asked about, has to be a backpacking trip I did through Patagonia. Um, mm. oh, tell us right about in that. between leaving Google in 2011 and starting Britain Co., I went on a girls' trip to Patagonia and we went to the Bariloche region and uh -huh. hiked and camped. Um, then we went down to El Calafete and tracked glaciers, and it was just the most incredible experience. I've never seen mountains like the ones in Patagonia before, so definitely a fan. Awesome. I'm, actually, I'm, I'm waiting for Robin to give me a, a ticket so I can actually go down there. It's like well. a research expense, right? For a board member. Wait a minute, are we going to have a board? We're going to have a board meeting down there. Like I think you know, that'd be so, a, you know, we could a all great go. idea. Research. 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 Yeah. I mean, it's, it seems like to me, Britt, that you're a little bit bionic, right? You're able to do everything. And I think people call you bionic Brit. Is, is, is that what I've, I've been told? Well, that was that. Yes. And I might have the Twitter handle at bionic Brit. It uh, hasn't been used for a while, but um, people started calling me Bionic Brit because I've blown out both of my knees playing sports. Um, so I blew out my left knee playing soccer and I blew out my right knee skiing KT22 at, at formerly Squaw Valley, um, which has now been renamed uh, here in Lake Tahoe. But um, but I recovered. I did, uh, you know, I had surgery and, and now I'm bionic. My knees will never break again. So I, I feel better than ever. It's impressive story. <laughs> Little known fact, women are more likely than men to tear their ACL based really? on the, yeah, uh, huh. the hip to knee ratio of the mm -hmm. angle of our hip to knees and because of the fact that women overdevelop their quads and underdevelop their hamstrings, just genetically speaking, generally speaking. And as a soccer player, I spent so much time, you know, doing squats and like, you know, doing quad exercises and definitely, I don't think, uh, developed my enough hamstring muscle. So ladies, if you're out there, get those hamstrings in check. <laughs> All right, Dahani, what do you think? What's, what's our, what's our next question here? Well, as I, as I am just sort of Lamenting on some of the things that you're, you're saying, you know, another fact to kind of throw out, a lot of people talk about the NFL and football and, and concussions. There's more concussions in female soccer 
than there actually is in the game of football. So it's interesting how we kind of lean towards one sport as the place of injury when in actuality, there's a lot of issues around injury in a lot of other sports. But I think what's really cool about some of the stuff that you've been able to do is you, you're not only building your outdoor resume, but you're also connecting with younger people as well. And you're on, you're a board member of Girl Scouts. So what should listeners appreciate about the girls, you know, about Girl Scouts? I've got a girl, a little, a, you know, she's six years old. She's in the Girl Scouts. She loves it. What, what should people appreciate about that they may not know? Oh, yeah. Well, the Girl Scouts is an organization that's over 100 years old. And what I love so much about the Girl Scouts is that it teaches girls entrepreneurship at the end of the mm-hmm. day. And, you know, the, the cookie program is probably the most notable part of the Girl Scout program, for better or for worse. People love those cookies. Um, and I was a Girl Scout when I was younger. And one of my fondest memories was being the cookie seller of the year. Yes, that was me. Um, my strat, thank you, thank you. I was nine years old. Um, I honestly think that was like where I recognized that I like selling. I like marketing. Mm-hmm. I like, you know, figuring out business. I didn't know it was called a business model, but I I think I built like a, a weird pyramid scheme because I actually <laughs> had, I like made copies of the order form, gave them to my parents and then made my parents give them to their friends who gave them to their friends. And then they all took them to work. And so I didn't actually go door to door. I like employed my parents and all their friends and their friends of friends to That's sell called for me. MLM. Just yeah. so you know. I, know, I didn't know that when I was nine, but um, so the fundamentals of entrepreneurship were learned at an early age. No, but um, no, but beyond Did, that, I, I think it's about, you know, learning those types of skills, putting yourself out there, putting yourself in front of people. Um, and nowadays, the Girl Scouts also has a STEM curriculum. You know, they're learning about cryptocurrency even, you know, in today's world. And so they're really on the cutting edge of everything technological in addition to the more traditional arts crafts, skills, et cetera, that girls want to and should learn. Awesome. So, Britt, you know a little bit about Outside, um, and I know you know many of the brands, um, as we've talked about in the past. I'm curious what you think we could do as an organization to elevate the opportunities for getting girls outdoors, and then even more specifically as it relates to Web3, like, how do you think Web3 can help this? How do you think this you know, sort of transformational technology can lead us to a place where, you know, more girls, women, and, and you know, all different, you know, people in the ecosystem are, are spending more time outdoors. Well, I think to your first question, and maybe with regards to a brewing partnership with the Girl Scouts, um, one thing that's, that's not really well known <laughs> about the Girl Scouts is I think, I think the Girl Scouts has 112,000 acres of land across the country mm. that they lease or own with these amazing camps. And some of them are in forests, and some of them are in beaches, and some of them are ranches, and um, they're largely underutilized. You know, there are camps that happen there, but there's so much more that could go down in these amazing locations. And so maybe there's a way to partner with local schools and organizations and create, you know, extracurricular activities and events at these camps um, where girls are learning to to be outside, to camp, um, to sur- do survival courses, to just um, be in social community together, learning in the outdoors. You know, there's so many different things that you could think of that would be really relevant and useful 
for, for not just girls, but, you know, all kids in general and to utilize these incredible properties and spaces that are already in the wilderness. So I love that idea. We, we should totally work on it. Um, and your next question was about Web3. Was that related to girls or, or all people or? Oh, yeah, just, just, just everyone. Like, how, how, how do you think about leveraging Web3 to get getting more people into the outdoors? Well, I think about it as as really ownership. You know, if, if Web 1 was about read only, you know, there's an internet that you can log on to and read a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. And Web 2 was about read and write. So now you could publish, you could transact, you could friend people. Um, there's sort of an exchange going back and forth. Then Web 3 is about read, write, and own. And it's, it means that anything you're publishing is something that you own and everyone knows you own and you get credit for owning, whether that's financial credit or rewards in other ways. And and the things you own don't just have to be physical items. What you own might be your daily activity. You know, I'm wearing an Apple Watch right now and it has rings on it and I definitely haven't fulfilled my rings today. But um, <laughs> Neither right have I. Don't worry about right, it. Right after this, right after this, <laughs> exactly. go right out the door. Um, if, if I published, you know, my activity every day um, to the blockchain and, and if there was a way to do that automatically, um, the, you know, the public ledger, the blockchain would would tell everyone in the world, like, Britt did this today. This was her activity. She owns this. And, and maybe there's a way to get rewarded for hitting my goals. Maybe there's a way to collaborate with other people and 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 to know that it's verified that it was Robin and Tahani and like that, you know, we're, you know, we are who we say we are. We have our owned identity. It's not going through Facebook or another social platform like we own our health data, we own our fitness data, we own our travel data, and now we can take that data with us wherever we go on the internet. Um, and again, you know, get rewarded for it and get, you know, perks, maybe financial gains from it, hopefully like prove our health records are actually verified, um, which is going to be huge for, for that category. I, I, it's really going to change the game. And, you know, for anyone out there thinking that this is just a fad, this is just like some crypto bros investing in Bitcoin, like I promise you, I, I thought that too, like a few years ago. But it's not like this is here to stay. This is a multi-trillion dollar industry. And there are some companies doing really unique things in the market right now that I'm really excited about. Britt, I love how you just broke it down in a very simplified fashion, because I don't think a lot of people think about Web 1, 2 and 3 in terms of just like read, you know, watch and own. Right. And the entire concept of owning all of that information and actually getting rewarded, you know, for it, it's, it's so unique. Right. And, and I think that, you know, sometimes we have a little bit of like a more narrowed approach and now we need to open up the aperture in order to kind of understand the complete dynamic of Web3. But just kind of going back in your history, how did you even get started in Web3? And like, what was the, oh, yeah, that makes I want to do that type of transition where you wanted to spend more time on it? Yeah. Great question. Uh, Robin, maybe a shared friend of ours, Winces Cesaris, <laughs> um, yeah. uh, started a company called Zappo. And I think it was around 2012. He just started telling everybody he met to buy Bitcoin. Um, like, <laughs> Swear, Bitcoin, this thing, Bitcoin's the future. You need to buy some. Um, and, and so, Damn, I wish I would have listened. Ah, yeah. <laughs> I could have gotten a Bitcoin at 500 bucks. 
Uh, no, it was twenty nine dollars. It was twenty nine dollars. Yeah, twenty nine. Oh yeah, so that um, let's not just that's a, let's not do the equations <laughs> right now worry. because this will turn into like much. a sad show. Yeah, don't worry, it wasn't that much. But uh, but but um, that was when I first heard about it. Digital currency sort of came on my radar, but it was really just that, you know. And then a few years later, in twenty seventeen, we started hearing about Ethereum and some of these other blockchains and. And I started understanding a little bit more about this. I think Bitcoin at the time had risen to like five to ten k now, and I was watching as largely a bunch of men. No, no offense. Um, here in Silicon Valley, were making a lot of money because they had bought in and into Bitcoin early on, and and now it had you know a thousand x. And I was like, looked at the numbers, and only four percent of Bitcoin owners were female. And I just could not believe that statistic was true. So in January of 2018, you know, I I did this massive summit through Britain Co., uh, my company, and it was called a cryptocurrency summit. And we literally taught women about crypto. And we had, you know, the head of Coinbase and, you know, people from Ethereum and all kinds of experts there teaching women about this future of cryptocurrency. But again, it was still mostly focused on currency and investing. It wasn't mm. until 2021, um, early 2021, when I even heard the term Web3 and NFTs and you know some of these um, other buzzwords that we all are hearing about today. And it all really started to click for me. I was watching people make hundreds of millions of dollars within a, a year um, uh, on NFT projects. I, you know, now fast forward, they're, they're not just, you know, it's not just Bitcoin and Ethereum. There are hundreds of chains, all of which have really interesting economics. Um, I'm really, I've gotten really interested in Solana over the past few years as well, which I'm, I'm passionate about. And, and so, and then I looked at the numbers though, and it was, I think, 10 to 15% female uh, participants in this new world. Better than 4% still sucks. So, that's when I got angry. And like, there's a, there's a theme in my life that like, when I get angry about something, I just usually end up trying to solve my own problem. <laughs> and so I started BFF um, to change that percentage ratio and to try to onboard as many women as possible into this new ecosystem. So before we jump into BFF and some of the other things, First, I, I, I love to ask people, like, what was the first NFT that you bought? And, like, tell us about that process and the decision process that you had about deciding on that project. It was a World of Women NFT. It was early summer 2021. And I had just watched my friend Gary Vaynerchuk roll out V Friends in May, which which he he hand drew. He's not an artist, <laughs> mind you. Gary. They are just scribbles. They are just Gary scribbles. <laughs> hand drew 268 animals and colored them and uploaded them <laughs> to the internet as NFTs and um, made many, many, many millions of dollars in the first month alone. Um, and that's when I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. And, and I was like, where are the women's projects though? Like Gary's awesome. Mm. I love Gary. But like, who, and, and World of Women was one of the first and still is like one of the biggest mainstream NFT projects. So I was like, I got to get a World of Women. 
and I needed one that looked like me. <laughs> you know, this this notion of a PFP, a profile photo NFT, is is something that I think plays to people's egos because they want to find one that looks like them and represents them, and they want to make it their profile photo. So I needed one that had like rainbows in it and like a cool look. Wasn't smoking a joint, ideally. Um, <laughs> there are some that were ideally. I, to, I mean, <laughs> I'm edgy sometimes, but this is my public persona. I got it's I okay. work with a lot of brands. Disney's one of my partners. You know, I just can't be smoking a joint in my profile photo. Um, we won't. We won't do it on the show. <laughs> Wrong, so, podcast. Um, Wrong podcast. Wrong podcast. Wrong yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah, different podcasts. But um, anyway, so that was my first one, and I. Was, it, but it did, and, I did deliberate uh, quite a bit. Um, it, just curious, like on that project, like uh, what's interesting to me about a lot of the projects that are out there, and you know, they're obviously you know spread across a wide variety of sort of activations and engagement from a community perspective. But I'm, I'm curious how that community is engaging and has sort of continuous since they started, because I, I certainly remember when it launched, you know, in the summer. And I'm just sort of, I'm curious from your perspective how that's gone. Yeah, I think World of Women's done a really great job. They are certainly leaning into the entertainment space, uh, building out kind of metaverse uh, technology, games, uh, a partnership with Hello Sunshine to create, I think, like a limited series television show based on the characters. So, I, I love that. I'm also an investor in Boss Beauties, which is geared towards slightly younger women um, and teenage girls, and is a whole has a whole different vibe. You know, their community is all about mentorship and helping teach girls and young women technology skills, professional skills, you know, career building opportunities. And, and so very different concepts, both in the female space, which is, which is what I love about Web3 is really, yeah, these projects are just like a, a gate <laughs> to a brand. You know, mm. it's another way to think about a membership um, in a community. And by buying an NFT, you're now a member of this cool club. And you can be in lots of clubs. You can be in a career-oriented club and a gaining-oriented club. And, you know, you can you can really fit into the communities that you feel like you belong versus the rest of the internet, <laughs> which you're just kind of thrown into an abyss uh, of an <laughs> algorithm that that puts you where it thinks you belong. So I, I deeply prefer Web3 for that. So it just yeah. kind, of, kind of moves you all around the internet. You never know where you're going to end up. Totally. Like well, I'm in Instagram and I'm like, does it think I'm an interior designer or that I love <laughs> like baby jokes or, you know, like I don't really understand what it's showing me today. I saw, I heard a sort of analogy about like, you know, the future of NFTs and like how, you know, today we think about like, you know, you obviously you're talking about this one project where you were sort of picking the PFP so that it was a, a you know, something that represented you. But in the future that like NFTs might be, you know, you might have like, um, you might have one that you use as the core profile pick, but then when you go to your profile, you might see a whole series of NFTs mm. for someone really quickly to go like, oh, I, I didn't know Brit was in that community or this community or associated with this or that. And all of a sudden gives you this really unique way to sort of, you know, start connecting and combining with each other, you know, and, and so I just think it's really fascinating where the future of this potentially can go. Which is not really that innovative when you think about it. The initial Facebook profile had something called interest and you mm -hmm. would just type in what you were interested in and you would write gaming and volleyball and you know whatever else. <laughs> and you would go to, there was no feed, there was no news feed. You would just go to your friend's profiles and see what they were interested in. And, and you could click on 
those categories, volleyball, and go join, see other people interested in volleyball. And and so, you know, this is like history just repeats itself um, in a whole different type of way. I really think we're there again in the internet, but we're doing a little bit smarter this time. I think history repeats itself, but it also refines itself to the point of like what, what people really want and what they really need. And I think about from, from an outside, like Robin tries to keep up with me on the bike all the time, but that's why we're friends because. Why? Why do you even try Robin? Why are we going down this path? Like, why? You know, you need a trainer. I can be your trainer. It's, it's all good. You, you, that's where our interests are aligned. You see how I did that, Britt? What, what um, he's really like trying to say is we're lucky if we're staying in the same zip code and he means him staying in my zip code. <laughs> totally. <laughs> but, you know, one of the things, you know, is that Robin has taught me a lot about bikes, right? Because, you know, he's a professional and I just, you know, I'm just the trainer. So when I think about Web3, you know, you mentioned Gary V, and a lot of people talk about how he talked about it so long ago. And a lot of people ask me all the time, you know, explain to me blockchain, explain to me Web3. Who taught you and where did you learn it from? Because I think a lot of people don't realize some of the information is definitely out there. So who might be some of the people that you look to for, you know, sources of truth? Well, there's this there's this thing called crypto Twitter, which is just like a name given to the people that hang out on Twitter that are interested in crypto. And and when you start liking a lot of their tweets, you end up seeing a lot more crypto tweets and mm-hmm. and then you see who kind of the big people are that talk about crypto and web3 <laughs> so honestly i learned a lot from the internet i just found myself going down weird rabbit holes um on on the bff website right now mybff.com there's a learn page where i i posted um this this reading list called gabby goldberg's reading list gabby was is one of the best curators of educational content in web three and it's i just found her it's a notion page she just Mm. put a bunch of links to a bunch of articles and videos and you know thought pieces around this category and i remember just seeing that and i would just try to read one or two new things a day and slowly over the course of a few weeks I, i started it started clicking a little bit more and more um there's also one of my partners at Offline, James Higa, is was really into like art blocks and some of the early, you know, deep art projects uh, in the space and really helped mentor me around, you know, how do you find a good NFT? What does it even mean? What's it what's the difference between investing in an NFT and buying one for for a community or a membership? And what's the difference between a token and a coin? Are they different? (laughs) Just like all the nuances of this weird new language and all the jargon we hear about today. But really, you know, I think it's just like learning anything. You've got to, you know, do one thing a day, you know, practice one new thing, one new skill, one new article. And and little by little, you'll continue to expand and grow in ways that you never thought you could before. Because you've practiced, you know, and iterated several different times you know, during your career. And I was listening to some online um, talks that you that you gave and your you know, background, Apple, Google, and how you almost went to Android, but you decided not to go to Android. And wow, you really a couple... did a lot of research on me. <laughs> well, you know, the, con- the conversation about, you know, changing your business right in the middle of, of things, right? And then saying to yourself, you know what, I'm not passionate because, because I am passionate about something else. So I need to make that pivot. And I think a lot of people are, are scared in those positions when they're starting 
and they're kicking off businesses in order to make those pivots. But you did it based upon your passion, based upon your intuition. And even so, as you've grown, you know, one of the things that you just brought up, you know, you have you have offline ventures and your VC fund. So I, I, I wonder what type of investments that you like to make and how you look at Web3 from an investment standpoint um, and then how that's based in some of the principles of what you believe in. I love that question. Thank you for that. Yeah, well, offline, you know, organically, it was a con- it's a consumer technology fund, but we organically started investing in a lot of Web3 stuff because, frankly, it's happens to be the most interesting thing happening on the internet right now. And um, beyond Web3, health, fitness, and wellness was the second mm. biggest category with a third of our investments. And so those are the two things that I think are most interesting on the internet right now. And it's where a lot of innovation is happening. Um, I... I believe that Web3 is ultimately tied to health because it's creating a healthier internet. I believe that we have a deeply unhealthy internet right now that is owned by few. I've worked at some of these places. Um, I I do appreciate these companies and the scale they're at, but the, the business model of the internet is advertising. And ultimately, that means that users are are not the real user, <laughs> the advertisers, the user, the users are the product. And um, for the first time since the beginning of the internet, Web3 enables us to be the users again and mm. to, to be in control of our own destiny on the internet and to forge our own relationships and our own transactions and our truly our ownership of all of our data. Um, and, and I think that's going to create a lot of mental health improvements. Um, and ultimately, uh, you know, I'm seeing things right now getting pitched to me that are, you know, sustainability um, games. You know, it's a game you can play where you're planting trees, kind of feel like Farmville. And ultimately, you know, the more you're leveling up, the more trees are actually planted in real life and you're earning tokens for your work and, you know, the game and those, you know, you can redeem those tokens for trees. You can name the tree. You can like do all these cool things and ultimately save the Amazon, which who doesn't want to do what's that? that? What's that project called? That oh, you're talking? I, I don't know do you if remember? I can say it's a oh, okay. Don't, you don't have to say right it's okay. It yeah. might be, it might be an investment that you're making. I understand. I'm looking at it right now. Um, <laughs> I'm looking at move it. to earn, learn to earn. These are all categories <clears throat> I'm really interested to. I think the future of digital education is fascinating where you can reward people for earning. I mean, for learning, <laughs> um, where you can reward people for moving. I love what's happening in that space. Um, so again, even though we're investing in quote unquote web three, it's, it's mm. really aligned to health and fitness and wellness in so many different ways. Can you just expand upon, you know, one thing real quick? And I, I know Robin's got a bunch of questions. And so, you know, we got a lot of things in our brains between us. But that <laughs> the thing you just said was actually kind of interesting. I know you kind of slipped in terms of learning and earning, but expound upon a little bit of that learning and earning when it comes to, to Web3. Mm. Well, there are many platforms right now that, you know, are creating educational tracks where if you know you learn about a topic, you take a little quiz and you get most of the questions right, you get coins deposited in your digital bank account and those coins actually can be redeemed for real monetary value or for perks, swag, awards, you know, all kinds of things. And the more you're learning, the more topics that you're, you know, mm. taking tests and quizzes on, the more you're earning. 
So it's, it's really a gamified way to grow smarter about different types of topics. Robin, I'm going to give you a quiz about cycling. And if you get <laughs> enough questions right, I'll add some money to your, to your wallet. Okay, is that, is that cool with you? I don't want money. I just want tokens. Okay, I'll I give just, you some tokens. I just, I just want ahead. some, you know, okay, got it. Um, so before I get into some of the fitness-related questions, I mean, you're, you know, first of all, it's I, I just, I love the sort of, you know, you getting angry about, you know, how many women are in the category and really trying to build up these projects. Um, you know, something that that I feel like, but I, I'd, I'd love your perception on is like, I feel like a lot of the female-led projects have a lot more viability to them, frankly, than some of the non-female-led projects. And that that might be, you know, a little bit, you know, biased on, you know, all the rug pulls that have happened and things like that. But I'm curious if you if you sort of, you know, step away from that and just think about some of the criticisms of Web3 in general. How do you think about those criticisms? Because it's sort of a surprise to me. I mean, I'm like you, I'm a, I'm a Web1 and Web2 sort of graduate, you know, early, you know, two of the first hundred iPhone apps with Map My Ride and Run and, you know, things like that. And I, I'm actually a little bit surprised at how, in some ways, vehement the counter arguments are to whether or not Web3 is a real thing. Like it doesn't feel the same, it feels a little bit the same as early in mobile. And maybe, or like I have this funny video I play of, David Letterman, where you know he, uh, Bill Gates is trying to explain the internet to David Letterman, and he's just making fun of it, right? And there were obviously people, very negative people at that time. But I'm just curious how and why you think this sort of polarization is happening around Web three. Sure, I think there are a few reasons. First of all, it's just really freaking complicated uh, and people don't understand. It's the David Letterman thing, but it, it, I like to use the analogy of podcasting. So back in the day when podcasting was invented, you know, you had to have an RSS feed and an MP3 player. And on the MP3 player, you had to have a special app that could like read the RSS feed and convert it into audio and play the audio. And so it's like you have eight devices just in order to listen to a this thing called a podcast. Mm. And and <laughs> fast forward today, we don't even, we're on a podcast right now, but people probably might not even call it a podcast. They're gonna be like, oh, I was listening to, you know, outside the other day. I was listening, you know, to whatever. It's it's just something you listen to. It's, you know, another form of content. And you don't need all these special devices and feeds and acronyms. You just know you're listening to a podcast. Um, and I, I think that's, that's the complexity state we're in right now. So we need to simplify the user experience um, stop using acronyms and <laughs> just, you know, make the onboarding much easier. Second, there are a lot of security concerns and very valid concerns. People are getting hacked all the time. Mm. Um, you know, there's hot wallets and cold wallets and, you know, if you forget your seed phrase, you're kind of screwed. And so like, they, you know, we, we've got to solve a lot of the infrastructure problems around security, uh, which is number two. I think number three is uh, that there's a lot of um, celebrities getting really excited about it and people trying to make a quick buck. And so, you know, the phrase DYOR means do your own research, you know, invest in projects and, and connect your wallet to things where you can verify the people behind it are legit. There's a real roadmap in place, you know. This, this is not like a scam attempt, um, which maybe ties into the security thing. And, and then I do think, you know, at least in, especially in the female side of the world, the environmental concerns are something I hear about nonstop. 
um, you know, this is contributing to global warming, you know, um, I can't believe you're participating in this thing, you're going to kill the planet. And, you know, I think there are some, there's some validity to, to that. But at the same time, I mean, the Ethereum merge is happening within months, um, which is going to make that Maybe. ecosystem 99.95% <laughs> more sustainable. Um, you know, I think, again, there's just a we're early. There's there's a lot that needs to be done here, but there are many different blockchains that are you know fully sustainable, like Solana, the, like Solana, yes, like which Solana, is what which was what which we, we chose to use for yeah, which you know, I'm the outerverse. Yeah, yes, I love Solana. Yeah, Polygon it's only it's uh, you know one NFT purchase is equivalent to three Google searches, and I often ask people, well, how many mm. Google searches do you do during a day? And I'm like, ooh. That's a big number. So, you know, and you're probably sure. not going to buy that many NFTs per day. Right. Yeah. So we all need to do our part and choose to use, you know, the types of blockchains that are good for the environment. And and But it takes a little bit of user understanding to, to most people don't even know what the difference between Ethereum and Solana is and like why no. they would ever use it. So there's just, a, we're just early, you know, we've got to, we've got to educate and, and make the world aware of what this technology could mean for us, should it work out in all the ways we hope it would. One of the things I, I think about is maybe people are just overloaded. They're just exhausted, right? We, we live in a day and time where things re reach a fever pitch at an accelerated exponential rate, right? Every next day, there's the greatest thing. And so when we kind of compound that in sort of like a life of all these other externalities that are happening on a day in and day out basis, now you say Web3 is going to change the world. And I think there's a natural inclination for people to not necessarily believe what change can actually look like, because in some ways people may not believe that change can actually happen. So how do you kind of think about that <clears throat> when you're, you know, talking to different different people and they're challenging you much like they challenged myself and Robin? Well, I think I've been really inspired by some of the activism that's been happening in Web3 and, and the sheer amount of like speed that it can happen with it. You know, um, Ukraine raising, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars in a day or two days for, in crypto just because, you know, Zelensky made that a viable option to support the country. Um, I know there are a lot of people pr trying to protect women's abortion rights um, using crypto. And then you look at other things that aren't necessarily activism, but like, you know, thousands of people pledged $200 to buy the Constitution and they raised 40 million bucks in two weeks. And like, I think there is some galvanization happening where you, you can see real impact happening at scale and at speed because of this technology. And you can start to maybe believe that this this could be a fruitful event for for all kinds of different initiatives going forward, and and it's not just about the speed to raise money or to give money or pledge money, but the speed of communities and people coming together. Just given how robust the size of the internet is today and how connected we all are, and again, imagine if if that change could happen more powerfully than ever before, more quickly than ever before. I well, and not and not controlled by people. five companies, right. That basically own the internet. Right. Controlled by the people and where the, it benefits the people who are supporting it. Yeah, 100%. So I'm going to switch a little bit to outdoor and fitness. Are there any um, fitness or outdoor projects that you're especially excited about in Web3? 
Well, like I said, I'm really fascinated by the move to earn space. There's um, Step In and then also the Step that app and some doing similar things, lots of like, you know, you can have sneaker NFTs and use them for your runs. Um, you know, there's a lot of, I think metaverse is a different technology set than web three sort of. Um, I know a lot of people are working on, you know, workout, like workout VR games and um, all of those things. I'm kind of less passionate about that state of affairs. I, I again back to sunlight. Um I just I I I prefer working out in the real outdoors. Um but I for some I think that's gonna be really powerful for them and really effective and cool and fun. Um but yeah I'm I'm really interested in 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 some of the things like what you're doing, which is like how do you how do you get people excited to to work out and to get fit and to learn new things and to get outside and how do you reward them for doing so? Well, I think we, I mean, obviously, I think we all believe we need something to counteract the, you know, nine to 11 hours a day the kids are spending on screens and, you know, how almost like I, I think about all the energy that's going into, um, you know, essentially what I'd say keeping people indoors. Like, you know, you mm. think about even Apple's investment in VR and AR and, you know, um, you know, certainly Google and, you know, Facebook and others. And you just kind of go like, that all seems like this is the dystopia of Ready Player One, you know, and and I think that's what's, I mean, at least for me, having grown up in the outdoors and spending, you know, thousands and thousands of hours outdoors and the positive benefits, I just, it just worries me about what, what I think that, what that's going to transpire when we get down the road here. For sure. Although, you know, I think you could argue... We've got, you know, I've got AirPods in right now, one of which is more powerful than all the tech on the Apollo mission. I've got my Apple Watch on my wrist, like my phone is right here. I'm connected wherever I go. So there's there's a merge, there's merging yeah. of these worlds and we have to figure out the right technology that's going to actually improve our lives um, and improve our bodies and minds rather than set us back. How do you, how do you get your kids to go outside? <laughs> How do I get my kids to go outside? Snacks? Because um, I know I know your kids are just like our kids. My kids are young. They're six and seven. Look, one of them loves sports and will love to okay. go outside. The other one's like the brainiac who he, he wants to build at all times. But um, we, we just we play games. We just go out in the yard and we play games. We play soccer. We you know play hide and seek. We do things like I did when I was a kid, and you know. I don't put a hard limit on screen time, but they don't need it. it. They don't, they don't search for it. That could change. They're six and seven right now, but you know, I think because of where we live, we're so lucky to have this incredible national park in our backyard, and you know, it's normal for us to just walk on a trail after school and just, you know, we invented a place called headquarters, which is this rock like monument thing <laughs> near our house that they there's like a cave and they pretend like it's their secret headquarters and like we play imaginary games and it's like oh this is what it's like to be a kid you know <laughs> and I don't know that many kids have that experienced in today's world I wish they did but you yeah. said we you said us and you said we created right there's something amazing about what you're just I think describing as that family dynamic and imagination how do those, in your opinion, kind of play into sort of the, this future? 
Well, I think that we as adults and parents are the examples we set for our kids. And when we're walking around with our nose in a screen, we're not necessarily setting a great example. Um, I've been more and more using the do not disturb feature on my phone so that when I get when I get home from work, you know, around five, six o'clock, I put on do not disturb. I put my phone on the counter and I am with my kids. And so I'm not getting buzzes and rings and things. I think it's critical that we turn notifications off and and mean it. Um, and, and as a mother, I think the thing I worry about is like, what if like my my mom in Texas calls and someone had a heart attack, you know, like, so you can customize all your settings mm -hmm. to make sure that like the key people can still get through to you. Um, but for 99% of the people that are texting you and tagging you, you don't need to talk to when, when you're with your kids at the dinner table and when you're with your kids outside playing a game. And so uh, it really takes some practice, but turning it off is one of the most healthy things that you can do and models to your kids what turning it off means for them as well. Yeah. So um, you know a little bit about the Outerverse. I know I shared presentation with you. Um, obviously, we want to link you know, basically every project that's get launched, whether it's brands, whether it's individuals, um, you know, to some type of activity. Like we want to connect those dots of, you know, if I'm using example, like, you know, I talk a lot about like Warren Miller films in the fall, we're going to issue all the tickets as NFTs. And then we're going to, with that, after those people connect, we're going to see how many days they go skiing and unlock other rewards for them, you know, based on the number of days they go skiing. Cause that's obviously the result that we want is like, we want you, Britt, and maybe Dave together in the family to go skiing 50 days this year. Like, that's amazing. That's <laughs> what I want, I. right? Um, <laughs> so do I. Do you understand <laughs> how great that would be? 50 yeah. days? Yeah. Can we start well, at like you 15? Don't know you don't know them. It's possible. It's possible. Um, but, you know, like, so those are the types of projects. I'm curious, like, what type of projects would you like to see when you think about, you know, this connection of Web3 and, you know, potentially how we you know, think about and activate people um, into the outdoors. Um, I know you're involved in a, you know, um, a campsite company and some other thing. Like, I'm just curious, like, you know, and and I know, um, you know, you think back to the days you were talking about, like, early in the internet and things repeating itself, like Goala and Josh, like, you know, to me, like, that's something that, like, we can do. We bought this, we bought this site called Fastest Known Time, which is, like, the fastest times across the Pacific Coast Trail and Kilimanjaro and all these places. And I want to give people like rewards for going to do those things because we actually verify that they went to, to do them. But I'm, I'm just sort of curious what you think would be super cool to see on the platform. I, I think it's a little bit of a combination of those things. So I, I think unlocking achievements and achievements mm -hmm. can mean different things. Your fastest speed, your longest ride, your longest run, your longest whatever. Um, the most in a streak, you know, I think streaks are one of the most powerful gamification tools on the internet. Um, so how many streaks can you do every day? You know, you're doing something different and new. Um, check-ins, the most check-ins, the most locations, the single, like the single mm. location you check into most. Um, so I think having rewards on all these different levels lets people kind of choose their own adventure a little bit. And, and then figuring out what the unlock is for those rewards is really powerful. So if I'm checking in at my yoga studio every day, like I would love a free aloe yoga mat, you know. Um, if I do a 30-day streak, you know, I get to do 
a personal Zoom yoga call with some awesome, you know, yoga master. Um, similarly, you know, with my runs, if I completed a marathon and I tracked that, like, Nike should send me some shit. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, I, I, we're going to, we're going to make my that first, possible, Britt. We're going to yes. make that possible. Yeah. It's like, Robin, might, me. Robin and I might know some people that could look that up. <laughs> exactly. And then, and then there's the social element too. So I think people should get rewarded for, for doing things together or for, you know, for me being the infiltrator of getting my mom to go on her first hike in five years, you know, how can I get rewarded for, for bringing people on? And that's this, now I'm getting to product speak, but this is where you can create like a viral coefficient, right? So how do you not only get individuals outside, but get them to bring at least one other person outside with them and, and everyone gets rewarded. So just to be clear, viral coefficient does not equal, we're going to make this thing go viral. Right. I'm, <laughs> no, I'm kind of making a does. joke, but I'm kind of being serious because everybody says, no, Oh, does. we're going to take this ad and it's going to go viral. But you said this is product. So there's a viral coefficient. So there's actually some science around it. Yeah. And if, um, You've been tracking this thing called COVID for the last two years. You know that you probably know that COVID is growing exponentially when the RT rate is over one. So similarly with All right, social my, networking, my, my, my brain is is blown. I, I don't. I'm, I'm. You just lost me. Just lost me. I need a blackboard or something else like that. They to are, put what up they these call numbers. the R not. What the R not. Actually, a funny story is that before I I I had gotten in touch with Britt about a month ago. The last conversation that she and I had had together was at a dinner table when I was working in genetics, and we got into this very deep discussion about genetics. So we could talk about R-naughts for a while. I want to be updated. <laughs> I want to be updated. Anybody want to give me a shot? I'll take it. I want to be bionic, too. I'll take another arm. I love that. Well, it's but, the way um, Facebook grew. It's, it's, it is. Uh, you know, yeah. The main thing that helped Facebook grow is they discovered uh, Facebook will grow exponentially, not linearly, if for every new user that joins Facebook, they add at least two new friends. Mm. And when you're adding one friend, it grows linearly. But when each new person joining adds at least two friends, then it's growing exponentially. And so the, the r not the K factor, the viral coefficient, whatever you want to call it uh, for Facebook was 1.4. Um, so two, you know, really rounds up. Um, you can't have 1.4 people. And, and the similarly, I'm, what I'm suggesting is if every person that's going outside or going to work out can get two people to come work out with them or come outside with them, then, yeah, it will go viral. Like, you'll have viral growth of people getting outside. What other unique ways or forms of engagement do you foresee in sort of this new technology environment? Are there new in equations? Web3, you mean? Yeah, and, and Web3. What are the new types of engagements or new types of things that people are, I mean, you listed out a couple of them in terms of what some companies might be doing, but is there one in particular that you think is rather unique? Um, well, I think what's the next um, evolution of NFTs in particular, which I believe to be the most interesting part of Web3 because it's not about an art piece or a JPEG, it's about this ownership of a token that means you belong to something or you created mm. something. And when you have certain collections of those in your wallet, um, it unlocks new things. And so um, I think these unlocks or these utilities, these perks, these rewards are 
really going to get exciting for people. And it, it's, it's totally gamified. You know, it's like, oh, I see. If I have like a trail run NFT and a surf NFT, I just unlocked a trip to Patagonia. Uh, you know, like, and if oh, I, I can, see how you did if that, you, if you, <laughs> um, that'd be a low bar, but, um, if, if, and then I think social trading of these things will become really interesting. Um, the ability to also have brand collaborations. So, for instance, like in the in the actual like NFT PFP space right now with BFF, we created this collection of BFF NFTs. They look like various types of women. Um, we're in talks with like fashion brands right now about hey, we have these hats. What if we made hat NFTs? And mm. if you have a BFF and you have one of these hats. And then your your girl could like wear the hat, and and that also means that you unlock this new community of you know special people that is create you get your to create your own custom hat you know and and so um, it's it's really cool. It's about access and community and belonging and real utility and events. You know, I think is, is a whole category. So I'm just really excited about where this all goes in the future. But we need so many more millions of people to jump into this. Um, it's like we're all dreaming out here in Silicon Valley, but slowly that they're coming. It's just going to take a year or two for it to really hit the mainstream. See, what I, what I love about the BFF project with the hat sprint is that when you think about that in the outdoor category, like I don't know about you, but to me, the outdoors is all about the gear. Like it's mm. all about like, I mean... Uh, you know, uh, one of our colleagues, John Doran, just got a new gravel bike. And like, he called me after he got back from his first ride and he's so giddy. And he's like, I just had the best ride and I didn't know who else to call to tell, but I wanted to tell you, <laughs> um, you know, and like, I just love the gear in this category. And there's so many opportunities to like create these like special add-ons and connectivity to communities that are like, maybe they're super into this bicycle or they're super into this ski or they're super into this, you know, camping gear or whatever it might be, or, you know, like, and I, I just think that's one of the, like, I, I just, that's why I'm so excited about the outdoor category because like, these are all so like, it's easy to see in some ways. Yeah, for sure. Know? And, and, and I think gear also represents people in, in many ways. Uh, like I've up, my skis are like bright neon pink. Um, and <laughs> what kind of ski do you ski on? They're performance kind of ski? skis. Um, you better, Solomon, you I think. better tell Rob and he's going to send you a pair. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Please do. I could totally use new skis. Um, I forgot which site I bought them on, but they called them bouncy. And I was like, oh, I would like to have bouncy skis. Um, so, and they're bright pink. That's cool, you know. And so, um, but, you know, surfboard, you know, people decorate their gear in cool ways. And I think there's an artistic element, uh, there's a personalization element, and you're signaling, I'm a skier. Mm. You know, I'm a mountain climber. I'm a surfer. Um and so I love that you can have both in this in this category. And to your point, you can actually unlock rewards and, and social connections because of the ownership of these different items. So, yeah. Britton, you know, you, you have me thinking about this this notion of empowerment and, and audiences, especially when it comes to to Web3. So how are you using Web3 to kind of address these imbalances, right? You know, because you're attracting more diverse audiences, giving historically disadvantaged women, LGBTQ, you know, and as well as BIPOC communities, a better opportunity to share value creation. So 
how do you see this happening and how are you best serving that community and empowering them? I think at the root of it, besides education and community and, and access, it is about actually making it accessible. You know, a lot of these projects require you to buy in for hundreds of dollars or thousands of dollars, which is just not realistic for the majority of the population, especially underrepresented communities. So for BFF, for instance, we literally made it free. We we covered the gas even, which is you mm. know, the transaction fee, to send out uh, almost 10,000 of our initial NFTs, which is a, a friendship bracelet. And that friendship bracelet at its peak, we're in a bear market right now, uh, was going for about $6,000 a pop. What? $6,000? Um, yeah. Oh, my and, goodness. Uh, almost two ETH. Um, we'll and- trade you a friendship brace- bracelet for a pair of skis. Exactly. (laughs) I mean, it's supply and demand at the end of the day, and they were high in demand, and we gave out the supply for free. And there, there were people in our community who they were like, "I'm so sorry, I had to, I had, I sold my, I sold my bracelet, please." But I really love BFF, but I had medical bills. I like had no Mm. other way to pay my medical bills. And I can't believe you gave this to me for nothing. And I learned so much about the space. It was my first NFT, my first wallet. And now I've paid my medical bills. And like, now I'm going to save up so I can buy the bracelet again. You know, and it's just like, how cool that we can do something like that for people who otherwise would never have a chance at getting into this space um, to make that kind of money in in a month's time, you know. And, And so I think however we can think about giving people access and making the space truly accessible, from a price standpoint, so they can get in and play and learn uh, before they figure out if they want to make money or not, uh, then then I think that's that's a more equitable future for onboarding more people into the ecosystem. Uh, I get the last two questions. So the first part is um, when you think out sort of, you know, three, five, 10 years crystal ball, and obviously you talked a little bit about like, how do we get more people into the category and, you know, what's going to happen here, you know, over time. What do you like? What do you see the future as? I mean, you're 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 obviously so knowledgeable about Web One, Web Two, and sort of what's happened from a technology. You talked a little bit about the merging of culture and technology here and the outdoors. But what do you what do you think is going to transpire? Um, you know, if you if you look into your magic crystal ball. Well, I think that this thing we call a wallet right now, which is mm. where we store our cryptocurrency and our NFTs and tokens and things like that is going to revolutionize the not just the internet, but the communities we're in, the access we have to any, if when we go skiing, our place in the lift line, like all these different things, because it will have most of the things we own and um, including our, our actual transactions and our movement transaction, our educational transactions, you know, all stored within it. And we are the keeper of that wallet, not a Mm. different company. And so um, that wallet is going to be like the archive of who we are as human beings, especially as we interact with the internet or internet products. Um, And so um, we've got to figure out how to make that wallet really accessible to use, especially when you have thousands of things stored in it. Imagine all your medical records, every ski trail you ever, you know, you ever ran, like a ski down, every trail you ever ran, every beach you campsite, ever surfed, every like campsite every you've been to. plane ride you ever took. You're going to have yeah. thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of 
of historical mm. transactions in this wallet. Um, and so we need to make it functional to use, safe to use. Um, I, I would love to get to a place where I can go buy a house with like a one-click transaction. I would love to log into any website with a one-click log, connect my wallet login. I would love to have a different experience of different websites. Um, once I did connect my wallet, because it knows that I love, you know, rainbow items <laughs> and, you know, shiny things. Um, and that I'm a woman and not a man. And, and so I think we're going to have a lot more personalized um, access as well. And, and, and again, I think hopefully a, a healthier um, and, and more seamless user experience on the internet and off, because I really think this is going to help merge our two worlds and all the ways we talked about in really positive ways. Awesome. Um, so sort of closing thought for all the young and old, all the women in the audience um, who love the outdoors and technology, what would you encourage them to read, listen to, attend, try out? Um, you know, wh wh where would you get them started? Who love the outdoors and technology. Oh, <laughs> every outside publication, obviously. <laughs> obviously. Um, I did not. I didn't tell her to say that. I, just, I did. <laughs> I don't worry. I told her to say it. No. <laughs> okay. 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 <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, where? I, I, I don't even. I get lost. I, again, uh, you know, I'm a unique species. I think we all do this, though. We kind of get lost in the Internet, and we are clicking on things we're interested in, and we end up down rabbit holes. Um, I really think that... Um, finding communities of belonging is one of the most important things you can do and feeling psychologically safe to ask questions, especially if you're a newbie, is really important. Um, I'm, I'm new to surfing and I feel like a total imposter. Um, and like even joining a surfing digital community feels like I'm not like a surf girl. Like, <laughs> I, like I crash and burn like 98% of the time, but like I want to learn and I want to ask some questions and I want to watch videos and like, um, and so I, I want to know what the best movies are and the best, you know, YouTube shows. And so, um, I think just like feel comfortable being new to something and asking questions and whether that's web three or surfing or anything in between, um, you know, finding a community somewhere that exists that can point you in the right direction is key. And, and again, that's why I'm really excited for this future because hopefully it'll be a lot easier to do that. I think right now what we're missing on the internet is neighborhoods. I think mm. we're all just living in the town square together and it's chaotic and <laughs> we, we need our, our pockets. We need our neighborhoods of of connections that we can trust and rely on and feel safe around. Well, I think that there, you're, you're leaving yourself out of the equation. I think you need to make sure you put that in. So tell everybody where they need to find you and look you up and go on YouTube and find all your videos because I learned from you. And so I know everybody else, regardless of man, woman, a child, they all need to learn from you too. So just, just drop all that knowledge. So we know where to find you. Oh, thank you. Um, I am at Brit on almost every social media platform, um, early adopter here. And at Brit and Co is Brit and Co. At my BFF is BFF, uh, Brit.co and myBFF.com. And then um, offline.vc is our offline ventures website. And if you are a founder out there who is thinking of a new company uh, and wants to start something and raise venture capital, would love to hear from you. 
Well, I can't thank you enough, Britt. Um, I know we've known each other some time, but I'm, I'm really excited about, and as I learned more about you being in Web3, just about what this potential journey means. So I can't thank you enough for being on the podcast and uh, Dahani, as always, so good to see you. Likewise. Thank you, Britt. Thanks for having me. Boom. What do you think about that? Well, that's our show. Thanks for listening. The Outerverse Podcast is an outside interactive production with hosts Robin Thurston and Dahani Jones. The producer and sound engineer is Kirk Warner, scheduling by Adrian Paulson. To learn more about all we are doing in the Outerverse and to sign up for the Outerverse Passport, head to outside.io. Have a great week and get outside.